turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Those who are tardy do not get fruit cup. <laughs> do you know where that's from? It's from High Anxiety, an old Mel Brooks movie. Well, I have high anxiety. Were we a little tardy there? <laughs> Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. I was talking with my friend and teacher, Hugh Holman, the other day about a good many domestic policy issues facing us, I think starting with the crisis in our seemingly apolitical institutions that serve as bulwarks for our political institutions, things like family formation and durability, religious affiliation and church and synagogue attendance, the institutions of family and faith, and their effects on public policy. What Hugh and I were talking about, worrying about, was how close we were to a point of no return. Just how much capacity for self-renewal is left in our country's gas tank, which is a good way to think about it, I think. For the gas tank is what constitutes the origin of the point of no return, right? It comes from aviation where an airplane's distance passes the point where there would not be enough gas to circle back, to return to home base, to your founding, if you will, from your point of departure and takeoff, if you will. It was certainly a concern of Charles Lindbergh's famous flight in 1927, as it is with every pilot today, or yachtsman or trucker. In our personal lives, there are these considerations we must make as well. And after all, we, what are effectively communal problems if they aren't an aggregate? What are effective communal problems if they aren't an aggregation of thousands of individual decisions and problems made at the personal level? For some reason. My mind goes back to an unforgettable scene in the 2004 movie Million Dollar Baby. If you've seen it, you won't, you can't forget the scene. Clint Eastwood is speaking with his priest about a big decision about life and death and mercy. And the priest says to Clint Eastwood, quote, If you do this thing, you'll be lost. You'll be lost somewhere so deep you'll never find yourself again. Close quote. Sounds a little like the plaintive closing of Paul Newman's in The Verdict. We're just lost, he summons. These are points of no return. I leave to Father Hugh the distillations on the soul and the venial, but you take the point. There are things we can do individually that can constitute a point of no return as well, a crossing of the Rubicon that cannot be uncrossed, so to speak. The concept should be a concern for the country as well. To be sure, starting and maintaining a family, just as accepting and practicing a faith, are individual decisions that should take no compelling from the government. But what about impelling? This is not a thought disassociated from Aristotle any more so than from Alexis de Tocqueville. In his first chapter of his book on politics, Aristotle postulates the uncomfortable question about what institution should come first when men enter civil society or the polis, the government or the family? What comes first, he asks. His answer is government, with the understanding that one has to envision the whole before one can envision the part, 
we don't exactly understand the point or telos of a hand, Aristotle says, if we don't understand the point of a body. More practically, his point is that if the family is important, which it is, we have to envision the circumstances and surroundings, the kind of polis that allows for it to survive and thrive. As for religion, we of course see disestablishment as of the utmost essence of our founding, but yet also well recognize, or used to, the truth of what Alexis de Tocqueville understood about us. He wrote this, quote, Religion in America takes no direct part in the government of society, but it must nevertheless be regarded as the foremost of the political institutions of that country. For if it does not impart a taste of freedom, it facilitates the use of free institutions. Indeed, it is in the same point of view that the inhabitants of the United States themselves look upon religious belief. I do not know, he continues, I do not know whether all the Americans have a sincere faith in their religion, for who can search the human heart, but I am certain they hold it to be indispensable to the maintenance of Republican institutions. The opinion is not peculiar to a class of citizens or to a party, but it belongs to the whole nation and to every rank of society. Close quote. Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas, once considered the most liberal member of the court, he distilled to Tocqueville quite simply this away, quote, we are, religious pe- we are a religious people whose institutions presuppose a supreme being, close quote. Again, we don't and wouldn't compel, that is establishment, not disestablishment. And it is the latter that is our bonding or what Lincoln called the bonds of our affection, what Joe Biden couldn't use or utter two nights ago with the words printed for him in a card he held in his hand. As Harry Jaffa wrote, by removing theological differences from the political arena, men could worship God freely according to the dictates of their consciences. But however differently they might conceive of the divine attributes, or however different the forms of worship which in their eyes were pleasing to God, there was a common understanding of morality underlying or transcending religious differences. But, of course, this, too, is the only point at which our country and society could work. By strengthening this moral consensus, disestablishment promoted confidence and even friendship among the citizens. By doing so, it promoted a regime in which the rule of the majority might be consistent with the rights of the minority. But the practical achievement of such a regime was a hard one, nonetheless. Without the doctrine of disestablishment and religious freedom, it would have been impossible. So, of course, we have the freedoms without compulsion to engage in familial and religious life. And we know they are good and important things, maybe the best and most important of things for the taming of the savageness of man and making gentle the life of this world, as Aeschylus and Robert F. Kennedy have put it. But it seems to me we are dangerously close to points of no return. Today, marriage rates are at an all-time low and church attendance has fallen precipitously while drug use is at an all-time high, as are drug poisoning deaths and suicides. Deaths of despair, we now call them. Despair. It's an interesting word for where we are, for it means without hope, which means without future or confidence in the future. And yet, was there not the promise that faith, hope, and love are what remain when everything else fails? You hear me talk often of the durables here. By durables, we mean a lot of things, but not that many, just the most important. Among the durables, we count things like faith, like vows, like marriages, or used to. 
for what was until death do us part has now been taught to be disposable. While divorces are at near all-time highs, the marriage rate has never been lower. It has declined about 50% since Ronald Reagan was president. Fatherlessness is still a word, but given its record highs and increasing regularity, commonality, it may just cease being a word because it is so common. And so too many other durables have become dispensable. So too other relationships. The statistic of the year is this. More people have left the church in the last 25 years than all the new people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusades combined. I'll repeat it. More people have left the church in the last 25 years than all the new people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusades combined. There's a lot more to say about all of this. But one looks at the streets of San Francisco, or Portland, Oregon, or Los Angeles, or Seattle, or Chicago, or New York, or Philadelphia, and one wonders about the level of gas, the amount of gas in the tank, the points of no return as things fall apart, where centers cannot hold, where Anarchy is loosed, where innocence is drowned, where the best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. I can, as you can, give you modern-day examples of each and every one of those things. That's not a bragging point. That is the shame or sin of it all. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0968. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Doing a great event on March 26th, Fighting for Freedom. We're bringing in Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, Officer Tatum, and myself will be on stage. We'll have some other great guests with us as well. It's going to be a great evening talking about the issues in the election, issues we think are important, issues you think are important. You can tell us what you think they are, and we'll go have a nice discussion together. It's going to be at Arizona Christian University, March 26th. You can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. And uh, you can also enter to win a free pair of tickets. We always like giving away a free pair once a week for these events. Uh, To enter to win, we announce the winners on Fridays. Just send an email to Mr. Dave, uh, well, to David Dahl. He's my producer. His email is ddahl, D-O-L-L, ddahl, at salemphx.com. And just put Fighting for Freedom or March 26th event or FFF in the subject line. We'll we'll understand what you're entering for. Uh, And we'll announce the winners on Friday. Uh, For those that don't want to enter and want to secure your tickets, 960thepatriot.com. You were heading to the mic. Yes, sir. What were you going to say? Just to clarify, ladies and gentlemen, I am a mister. Yes. You were saying Mr. David Dahl, and then, well, uh, my, you know, my producer, David Dahl. Oh, oh, oh. Just to oh, clarify. Oh, okay, yes. yes I yes, am yes. a Mr. Okay, okay. The reason I said that was I made it sound like that was your email address, and I didn't oh, want to confuse uh, the audience. Yeah. But I'm glad we have settled a question that you thought was important to settle. You know, speaking of email, we got a response, an official response from the Dirty Drummer with regard to the segment that aired at this time yesterday. Oh? Yes. They loved the segment, and they wanted to know, 
They have T-shirts no, we can't in do both it. our we sizes. We can't do it. It's not legal. We can't. Not legal. <laughs> no. If we happened to be in the Dirty Drummer one night <laughs> and somehow fell into a T-shirt by accident. We love the Dirty Drummer. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yes. I, um, I'm really quite disgusted about something that um, – <sighs> shouldn't have happened you know the um story by now no doubt of this man who lit himself on fire self-immolated in front of the white house to um protest on behalf of the palestinians it's a man who was in the air force and um Whatever sad disabilities this man suffered from or was afflicted by before he lit himself on fire, there are people among us who we expect a certain level of sanity or shame about. One of them might be a college professor at an esteemable college. One of them might be a very famous man of letters who's paid hundreds of thousands of dollars some years and millions of dollars other years to write and lecture. Many of you may know of this in particular prof- this particular professor I'm thinking of, Cornell West. You know who Cornell West is, young David? You've seen his work here and there. About this uh, man who lit himself on fire, to killing himself to death, lit himself on fire to death, he writes... Cornell West writes on Twix last night, on Twitter X, Twix last night. He writes, let us never forget the extraordinary courage and commitment of Brother Aaron Bushnell, who died for truth and justice. I pray for his precious loved ones. Let us rededicate ourselves to genuine solidarity with Palestinians undergoing genocidal attacks in real time. Let us never forget the extraordinary courage and commitment Professor Cornell West is saying that what this man did was an act of extraordinary courage and commitment. Used to be, used to be a sane society did not encourage suicide or mental illness or self-destruction. One might be able to forgive someone like Cornell West for having a warped view of the conflict. A lot of people seem to especially if they have a university attached to their office or residence. But to say we admire this man's courage, forgive, forgive me, but I'm, I'm with Kurt Schlichter and Seb Gorka. He walks over to the Israeli embassy front gate, takes a water bottle full of some kind of accelerant, pours it on his head, puts his cover back on and lights himself as he is screaming, free Palestine, stop the genocide, and then he died in hospital soon thereafter. Uh, I just posted two things. You know, may he rest in peace, but the fact that the Democrat Party has become, you know, a, a, a lunatic asylum is now indisputable. And the other point is... Biden is destroying our military. Your reaction, Colonel Kirschlichter? Well, I have three points to make about this uh, disgrace. Uh, the first is he's a traitor. 
Hamas has murdered Americans. Hamas is holding Americans hostage. He has taken sides against the United States of America. Uh, he did in uniform. He engaged in a political act of protest in uniform, which is a violation of not only the law, but his oath. Uh, the last thing is he's a piece of trash. Uh, I, I have gotten some pushback on Twitter because I pointed out uh, that he was a disgrace. He was a scumbag. He was a loser. He was a traitor. He was a fool. Maybe I'm being a little harsh. No, we're not being harsh enough. Uh, an act of uh, uh, self-destruction like that, a, a, a suicide, is a disgraceful and cowardly act that harms other people. Uh, believe it or not, there were some people out there who loved this guy, and now they are suffering because this narcissist jerk decided to uh, perform this act on behalf of a bunch of terrorist enemies of his own country. He's a disgrace. He should be mocked. He should be uh, held in contempt. And hopefully other people who are just as uh, weak-minded as him will see that and say, you know, I'm not going to hurt myself and a bunch of other people because I'm going to be looked at as the low life that I am. So I have absolutely uh, no respect for this guy. I'm not good. If you want compassion, stop other people from doing this kind of foolishness. Well, that would have been considered wisdom once upon a time. That, rather than endowed professors at Princeton who say they admire the courage of what this man did. Not I said he did it in front of the White House. I'm sorry, I meant the Israeli embassy. <clears throat> I, I was just wrong about the location. That's what would have been considered wisdom, what Kurt Schlichter said. And if you have a problem with the language Kurt Schlichter used, he wore the uniform that this man who self-immolated wore. Cornell West didn't. It's a sickness of the head. It's a sickness of the head that can encourage that kind of behavior. So I, I simply tweeted out or twixed out in response to Cornell West that um, this man died because he bought into a lie that you, Professor, have perpetuated. And this man died the way Cornell West puts it is far too passive. He killed himself. He killed himself. It was a deliberate act of public suicide. It's not a passive act of dying on behalf of some great cause that Cornell West calls took extraordinary courage. Please, parents who send your children to Princeton, keep Professor Cornell West far away from them far away from them, lest they learn from him what he thinks are acts of extraordinary courage, and you lose your son or daughter to suicide on behalf of a lie. 602 I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Seth Liebson here for my friends from the Midas Gold Group War Room. The MAGA veterans at Midas point out that the Federal Reserve note does not belong to you. It belongs to the Federal Reserve Bank. While the federal debt doesn't belong to the Federal Reserve Bank, it belongs to you. This is your wake-up call to what the Midas Gold Group veterans believe the central bank and government are trying to do. A controlled demolition of our current system with a central bank digital currency to take complete and utter control of our transactional 
freedoms. Protect yourself and turn this wake-up call into a phone call to veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. That's 480-360-3000 or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. That's 480-360-3000 or MidasGoldGroup.com. Always faithful, Midas Gold Group. MAGA and proud of it, MidasGoldGroup.com. Rick is in Phoenix. Hi, Rick. Hi there, Seth. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. It's always a joy to talk to you. You too. So, uh, did you hear me talking with the charming Jennifer Horn today? No, and I apologize for that. How is she doing? Was she filling in for uh, for Sebastian? She was filling in for Sebastian. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just thought I'd uh, uh, check on that. <clears throat> okay, so what I'm what I'm actually calling about is uh, your monologue. What I heard of it was uh, was excellent as always, and then uh, your follow up to that uh, talking about Cornell West. Yes, sir. Uh, Yesterday, I heard a segment from Dennis Prager that kind of helped me have a new perspective okay. on things like that. Okay. Uh, I don't remember exactly the context or what I was going on, but basically what it came down to, Dennis said he appreciated the call or whatever it was because it helped him to see just how awful and how evil some of the foes or the opponents or whatever that we face are. Okay. And so I'm, I'm thinking like uh, last week when Carrie Lake wrote that really conciliatory open letter uh, to try to uh, breach the, the, the gap, you know, apologize and and uh, and and have peace with Megan McCain, and then Megan McCain comes out and blasts her with the no peace yeah. B word, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And then things like Cornell West uh, having that kind of response, it just really uh, reminds us and illustrates to us how deep the abnormal pathology or psychology uh, of much of our culture has become. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's far and wide and deep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just awful. Yeah, um, it is. The, the idea that someone can effectively blow themselves up, that's, that's effectively what he did. He firebombed himself. Yep. Um, on behalf of a lie. Right. And you have a Princeton professor, perhaps maybe the most famous professor at Princeton, maybe Cornell West, probably, uh-huh. writes, let us never forget the extraordinary courage and commitment of this man. He calls him brother. Yeah. Let us yeah. never forget the extraordinary courage and commitment of this man. Do you know who does this? The Palestinian Authority does this when they yeah. have terrorists or suicide bombers. They right. they they give them parks and schools named after them, and they pay the family a stipend um, for um, as, as a form of welfare. Yeah, they endow terrorism and they they apotheosize it. They they turn these people into heroes. Right. Extraordinary courage and commitment. Um, and- I, I I I fail for words in a certain respect. 
um, Kurt took the words out of my mouth for the most part. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, to have a man walking around saying that kind of thing about someone who commits a public act of suicide in this country in 2024, um, yeah. this is not progressivism. This is regressivism. i got to take a break. You're welcome to weigh in on this. You're, you're, you're a man who okay. knows something of faith, and I'll let you, Thank uh, you weigh in on that. You bet when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. I'm told I gave the wrong number out earlier. 602-508-0960. But Rick was talking with us. Again, the setup here was a Twix tweet from Cornell West, the most famous professor at Princeton, about the man who blew himself up in front of the Israeli embassy protesting the genocide against the... uh, against uh, the residents of Gaza. And this professor writes, let us never forget the extraordinary courage and commitment of this brother who died for truth and justice. He died for a lie that the professor himself perpetuated. And the notion that, oh my goodness gracious, yeah. it's just... Rick, um, thank you for rejoining us, but I'm being interrupted by everyone walking by because, forgive me, the stochasticity of the moment is that young right. David and Tim Andrews, who's in charge of our sales team, and I are all wearing the same exact shirt. It oh, is weird. okay. It is weird. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that it's worth the entire cherivery that is taking place here. Um, but uh, anyway, Rick, you, we'll go to you, Tim, in a moment. You just hold on. Rick is on there first. Go ahead, Rick. Okay, I'll, I'll make this real quick because nope, I don't no, want to No, you, you make it as long as you want. Oh, okay, but here's the, the thing. I appreciate your letting me uh, uh, kind of make a final point about this. Uh, as Dennis was saying, and in the break, uh, you, you played the, the, the quote from, or the situation from Dennis that made me think about this was uh, that woman on MSNBC uh, or whatever it was that said Christian nationalism, which are not Christians, are Christian nationalists because they believe that our rights come from God. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and it's crazy things like that that, that just are, are mind-blowing. And it reminded me of a scripture, if I may paraphrase it uh, briefly, that says, The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must gently instruct in the hope that... They will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil that has taken them captive to do his will. And that's what I think your ministry, my ministry, all of our ministry is to spread the truth (laughs) to dispel the lies. And I, I think you're very right, Seth, to tie Cornell West uh, tweet or whatever that is uh, into what Hamas does, yeah, because it exactly is exactly the same. Yeah, they make heroes of monsters. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing of it is, like with Megan McCain's tweet, you know, why, why would you vote for Joe Biden because of your hatred for Trump and allow the last three and a half years to go on like they have? So, you know, we got to get that truth out there. Thank you for your work in doing that. Well, God bless you. Thank you. Tim, 
Welcome back to the studio. It's nice to see you, Mr. Andrews, wearing a green shirt. We are wearing polo green today. I hope you heard Rick. He said, I have a ministry. Did you pick up on that? (laughs) He said that, didn't you? Didn't you hear that, David? He said, your ministry. He said, I have a ministry. But you're wearing a green shirt. Young David is wearing the same green shirt, and I am too. Yes, to clarify, we're wearing polo green shirts, not polo green, the cologne. (laughs) Joe Raposo had a great song called It's Not Easy Being Green. Can you go out with it, Frank Sinatra's version? Joe Raposo was Frank Sinatra's great, most favorite lyricist. Do you know the song It's Not Easy Being Green? I know the one by Kermit the Frog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to give you the one by Frank Sinatra. What do you got? What's on your mind? What's going on? It's always nice to have you stop by. Well, we never really talked about uh, the dipping of the buffalo wing into the sauce. Oh, Yikes. You think I engaged in some form of lays majesty in public here with my food mannerisms? Yeah, let's, manners? let's set the picture here. Okay. We were all having just a wonderful uh, pizza and wings ceremoniously wonderful lunch. Yeah. And Seth, lunch, yeah. Seth, instead of grabbing a plate, which most of the folks did, and taking their wings and putting them on their plate, then adding the dressing. The ranch dip. Seth just reaches in, grabs a wing, dips it in the sauce, and then justifies it by saying, I only single dipped. I only single dipped. Yeah. Which I think is totally appropriate. It's called a dipping sauce, not a pouring sauce. Not only is it called a dipping sauce, so I was keeping true to its original intent and form and and, and meaning, that it, by dipping the chicken into the dressing, it added flavor to the dressing for the next person. It was actually an act of courtesy. <laughs> we didn't see it that way. A double dipping would be a problem, but right. you will admit to the audience I was not double dipping. You were not double dipping. Okay. Single dipping is permissible. It is a dipping sauce. But it affected the whole ceremonious food aspect. I don't think that's what it was that bothered you, if I'm being honest. Breaking bread together. That's not what bothered you. And then all of a sudden... That's not what One of the apostles walks in and just In the ministry? Dips. One of the apostles right. in the ministry? That's not what happened. What happened? That's not what offended you. That did happen. That's not what offended you. I know what offended you. What offended you is... <laughs> There used to be a guy here, Dave Herman, who had this great <laughs> imitation of me. It was, he did this imitation of me of, um, let me show you, let me do my imitation of Seth. He'd walk into a room of people talking, and he'd say, hey, what's going on? They'd start talking about something that was meaningless to me, and I would just immediately walk out because I was uninterested. <laughs> He's not wrong, though. That, no, it That's was a great exactly imitation. I admit does. to it. I admit I'm easily bored. What offended you is everyone was communally sitting around the table having a nice, peaceful conversation, and all I did was walk in, grab a drumstick, dip it, and chaw on it on the way out. That's right. what bothered you. Right. It, it wasn't broke the everyone's dip. heart. It was that I just was being we caveman about it. We were all breaking bread together yeah. as a team. I was just saving myself. And you just yeah. totally, in a yeah. selfish manner, walked in yeah. and okay. dipped your wing and left. I, I, I admit to it, and it may have happened twice. It did happen. Okay. <laughs> you caught me. I, I could have been. You know what? God isn't finished with me yet. No. And um, sometimes the best lessons are those that show you what not to do. Right. 
but I will stack my quotidian behavior in the kitchen with communal food up against the ethics of every other person in this office combined on most days. Not to get you off on a tangent. half broken off donuts. What? Yes, There was was a bagel left cut in half. See? That's what I'm talking about. And we were concerned how that would impact your mental psyche. So I may have been triggered. Yeah, you were triggered. Let's chalk it up to I was triggered. (laughs) You're dealing with a very delicate... (laughs) <laughs> a delicate situation here to begin with. <laughs> All right, Tim. Aaron, Tim, I think the solution for this problem is that we just need to bring in more chicken wings to the office. <laughs> yes. And less sauce. And break down those emotional <laughs> barriers. Yes. You got me. I'll ad- I'm big enough man to admit where I erred. Here's some Joe Raposo. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by our good friends at YReFi. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. They have an investment, a secure and collateralized portfolio, where you get a monthly statement, obviously, and with no surprises. But there's also no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. There are absolutely no fees with YReFi. You're in control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. And best of all, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. 10.25% fixed rate of return, not tied to the stock market or the Fed. Or check them out at investyrefi.com. Shout out to my dear friend, Deborah, who uh, was just uh, sending me a note about her willingness to... um, Instruct me in manners. Manners are more important than laws. So I failed. I, I had a failure. Um, Edmund Burke, great conservative thinker and writer and British parliamentarian, instructed that manners are more important than laws because the laws only touch us here and there, but manners are the things, the stuff of everyday life that either coarsen or soothe the way we interact. And I'm going to get into that a little bit, actually, with Hugh Hallman in my third hour, I think. I want to talk a little bit about generally speaking what i was talking about in my monologue which is the point of no return when it comes to our culture and when it comes to our politics because it's a matter really of the intersection of the two it's the bloody crossroads norman pothorts wrote of the bloody crossroads of literature and politics there is a bloody crossroads more broadly speaking now of culture in politics, some of the elements of which, if you think about the church or faith and government, or if you think about family and government, or family formation, or family duration and durability and government, uh, you think about other things, perhaps work or employment in government to a slightly, slightly, but not fully, but slightly lesser degree. Um, you think about these things as once upon a time being mutually uh, mutually reinforcing, dependent upon each other, a symbiotic relationship uh, between them or among them, and how that has been fracturing and independent. So the symbiosis has been interrupted and disrupted, and the institutions in and of themselves have become corrupted. And my concern is, as I spoke about in my monologue, that we may be reaching a point of no return. It's as much part of our culture as part of our politics. And uh, it's probably the most serious thing in front of us today. And probably I should spend more time on it 
And if it took chicken wings and poor manners to get us there, so be it.